This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You know, the market in general, I was watching some of the market news before jumping onto this channel or being able to record this podcast today. And... A lot of the advisors, they were kind of mixed signal. Like some of them were like, oh, these stocks are cheap right now and I'm buying stocks because I find them cheap. Other analysis were saying, I'm staying away from stocks because I feel like being in cash is more important. This market in general is just going to continue to get crazy. And the pros are struggling to figure out what the heck is going on. And if the pros are struggling to figure it out, well, then the average investor might not be able to figure it out as well. But there are some issues, though, that I'm surprised CNBC or Fox Business or MSNBC or CNN Business, they aren't talking about as much. Now, granted, there is like a million news events that are happening, but it has to deal with the fact that what is considered appropriate and what's considered right in the world of investing, special interests sometimes take things into their own hands. And that's some articles that we're going to be able to talk about a little bit today. But before we get into those articles, first thing we've got to be able to talk about, Harley-Davidson will spin off electric motorcycle division in a $1.8 billion SPAC merger. Biogen is in trouble right now because Biogen has to pay $90 million to settle allegations. It paid doctors kickbacks to prescribe multiple sclerosis drugs. The SEC SEC uh, finds Oracle $23 million, says the company bribed foreign officials for business. That's going to be a fun one to read. Facebook is also in the news as well today, with Facebook saying they're taking down political influence operations from China and Russia. And the only thing I have to say about Facebook is they seem to do this right before big elections, never leading up to it. I mean, the midterm election is coming up. But they, they tend to be a little behind the game sometimes when it comes to banning these accounts. And finally, from CNBC, CNBC Business, last thing we'll talk about today when we get to it, it says some members of Congress have above average investing returns soon. Two new ETFs will let you follow along with them. And why that article sickens me when the time comes. <clears throat> with that being said, as I have to remind you at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market. Please also remember too to go talk to your financial advisor as they would understand your financial situation a lot more than I would. I cannot legally give you financial advice. This is not financial advice in any way, shape, or form. With that, let's begin today's articles. Harley-Davidson spins off electric motorcycle division 1.8 million SPAC merger. Harley-Davidson on Tuesday spun off its electrical motorcycle division, Livewire, in a SPAC deal creating the first publicly traded electric motorcycle company in the United States. New shares of Livewire Group, Inc., Harley-Davidson's former electric motorcycle subsidiary, were up 1.5% and their U.S. market debut on Tuesday. Following the unit's 1.77 billion merger with bank with a blank check firm. Last year, the EV unit agreed to merge with special purpose acquisition company, AEA Bridge Impact Corp. 
Shareholders of AEA Bridge approved the merger last week, even as investors are growing more cautious about blank check companies with a record number of SPAC liquidating in 2022 amid surging interest rates and market volatility. The acquisition was originally expected to close in the first half of the year. Harry released its first electric motorbike, the Livewire, in 2019 before deciding to relaunch the bike as its own sub-brand, hoping to recoup lost market share as the company company's core baby boomer customer base grows older and interest in motorcycle as a recreational activity fades. The Milwaukee-based company is seeking to become more competitive with other electric motorcycle manufacturers. Livewire has one EV bike pricing around a beginning at $16,999 and another at $22,799. Harley-Davidson's will hold the majority ownership of Livewire with a 74% stake. Makes me wonder if Wall Street's going to be talking more about electric bikes going forward. This is the first one, as they've mentioned. But I don't know if electric bikes will become a big thing. I mean, they kind of are with the younger generation, especially the kids who I sometimes get to see, who I coach volleyball at a high school level at. And I've noticed that they do like to ride around those electric bikes, at least the ones that the kids can ride on the, on the sidewalks, not like the actual electric bikes. So maybe that's what Harley Davidson is banking off is the fact that that trend is happening with the younger generation and that maybe they'll be able to get more profits in the future since motorcycles aren't a thing anymore. So going to be very interesting to see if wall street can keep talking about the electric bike makers since that is all that's talked about is electric cars but then again maybe in california electric bikes will become a thing since apparently all gas-powered vehicles are being banned soon so continuing on with the ethical issues biogen to pay 900 million to settle allegations it paid doctors kickbacks to prescribe multiple sclerosis drugs Biogen will pay $90 million to settle a lawsuit that alleged the company gave doctors kickbacks to encourage them to prescribe its drugs, the Justice Department announced Monday. A former Biogen employee turned whistleblower Michael uh, Bodunek sued the pharmaceutical company in 2012 on behalf of the federal government under False Claims Act. It's... Um, Biogen paid kickbacks to doctors in the form of speaking fees, consulting fees, and meals from, from 2009 through 2014 to encourage them to prescribe the multiple sclerosis drugs. The alleged kickbacks resulted in false claims to Medicare and Medicaid for the prescription of Avonex, Tysabri, and Tesfidera, tes according to the Justice Department. Biogen will pay more than $843 million to the federal government and $56 million to 15 states to settle the case. And the person who is suing will receive about $250 million of federal proceeds, according to the Justice Department. The settlement announced today underscores the critical role that whistleblowers play when 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 yeah. One complete when completing the United States use of False Claims Act to combat fraud affecting federal health care programs. Sorry for the misspeak there. Said Brian Bonton, the head of the Justice Department Civil Decision. Biogen in a statement Monday denied any wrongdoing in the case. The company said it wanted to resolve the litigation to focus on other priorities. Bio, Biogen believes its intent that in conduct was at all time lawful and appropriate. And Biogen denies all allegations raised in the case. The company said the U.S. and the states did not intervene in the case and the settlement does not include any admission of liability by Biogen. I wonder what Biogen's got to do for a PR campaign now going forward, potentially. Especially if, I mean, they're denying it. Of course, the company would deny it because they don't want to look bad overall. 
But I wonder what PR campaigns are going to have to do going forward, being like, we are a better company because of these false allegations. They'll probably do something like that. Last thing we'll read in the articles is Biogen disclosed the second quarter earnings report that it had reached an agreement in principle to pay $90 million to resolve the lawsuit. Yeah, companies that aren't guilty wouldn't be paying $90 million unless they just didn't see the time and effort to be able to fight it in court. So I'm just curious to know what Biogen is going to be doing. And honestly, it's kind of sad if it is true that they were telling doctors to sell its, its drugs. So does that mean they don't believe in the drug? Or does it mean that they just wanted to make as much money as possible? Hard to tell. But there's more unethical principles that are happening within Wall Street itself currently right now. From the tech industry, from CNBC, SEC finds Oracle $23 million, says the company bribed foreign officials for business. Oracle has settled with the Securities and Exchange Commission after it was charged with violating the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act for the second time the SEC announced Tuesday. The SEC said Oracle violated provisions of the act between 2016 and 2019 when its subsidiaries in India, Turkey, and the United Arab Emirates created slush funds used to bribe foreign officials. Oracle subsidiaries also used the funds to pay foreign officials to attend technology conferences, according to the SEC. The company did not admit to or deny the SEC findings, and it will pay more than $23 million to settle the charges. Quote, the conduct outlined by the SEC is contrary to our core values and clear policies, and we identified such behavior. We will take appropriate actions, said Oracle Corporate Communications Vice President Michael Egbert. The company also settled charges in 2012 after Oracle India created millions of dollars in side funds, the SEC said. Charles Kane, the SEC FCPA unit chief, said that it released that the charges highlighted a need for effective internal accounting controls at Oracle. The creation of off-book slush funds inherently gives rise to the risk those funds will be used inappropriately, which is exactly what happened here at Oracle, Turkey, UAE, and India subsidiaries, he said. This is the second time they've been caught. The second time they just get a slap in the wrist a little bit more. Maybe it's time for the SEC to also cause more pain for companies like these that are causing this. We can't, we'll get into more details about why probably they won't go into later, but it's really sad when these companies have these issues and Wall Street's not talking about them. Why? It might be that a lot of Wall Street in general has investment in these companies and they don't want to cause a panic within Wall Street because they don't want to lose their, their potential gains they've been getting in these companies. But at the same time, it's just just the world we live in, I guess, where a lot of, a lot of things just go swept under the rug. Because there's no hard, no, no, no foul, no play. I guess that's what they're looking at. But these companies should be fined a little bit more. And they should be held a lot more accountable. Maybe, and, and the thing is too, what I'm surprised is, I think people should end up getting fired from both of these instances with both Biogen and Oracle. I think there needs to be an investigation taking place for these companies and they need to figure out what caused these people to do what they had to do. And then those people need to be fired. If you want a more ethical and moral society, these are things that have to be done in order for it to work. Without it, society has no nothing to really stand on in general. Continuing on, before we get into our final article today, 
in the tech sector from CNBC. Facebook takes down political influence operations from China and Russia. Now, I'm surprised this is a little bit more bigger news since there is midterm elections coming up within the United States. So maybe it's not affecting the United States as much, but it might also affect the United States midterm elections too. Facebook parent company Meta said it took down two unconnected networks of accounts based in China and Russia seeking to influence political narratives in the US and Europe. The platform regularly searches for and removes accounts to believe it has violated policy against coordinated unethical behavior. Such activity became a flashpoint in the U.S. after the 2016 presidential election when intelligence agencies found Russia groups had used social media platforms to push uh, divisive narratives in the United States. The Russia-based influence campaign mainly targeted Germany, as well as France, Italy, Ukraine, and the U.K., Starting in May, a network of more than 60 websites impersonating legitimate news organizations in Europe posted original articles criticizing Ukraine and arguing against Western sanctions on Russia. Meta said the group would promote the articles and original memes and YouTube videos across platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, Telegram, Twitter, and Change.org, it added. Meta asked... Uh, correction, Meta called the operation the largest and most complex Russian-oriented operation that we've disrupted since the beginning of the war in Ukraine. Quote, it presented an unusual combination of sophistication and brute force, Meta said. The spoof websites and the use of many languages demanded both technical and logistic, logistic investment. The amplification on social media, on other hand, relied primarily on crude ads and fake accounts. Meta said the group would create new websites even as it blocked the original domains throughout the investigation. The pages operated across several different languages and their posts were originally amplified by Russian embassy Facebook pages in Europe and Asia. Still, Meta said that most of the accounts were de detected and removed by its automated system before it even began an investigation. Separately, Meta said it removed a small network started in China that targeted the U.S., the Czech Republic, and some Chinese and French-speaking audiences in other places. The campaign included four largely separated and short-lived efforts, each focused on particular audiences at different times. Between the fall of 2021 and mid-September of 2022, Meta said. In the U.S., China-based operations targeted people on both sides of the political spectrum, Meta said, and was the first Chinese network focus on U.S. domestic politics that it disrupted ahead of the 2022 midterm election. In the past, the company said Chinese influence campaigns it disrupted would usually focus on criticizing the U.S. to audiences and other countries. The campaigns in the Czech Republic pushed anti-government narratives, Meta said, targeting the state support of Ukraine, Meta said, each campaign including about half a dozen accounts and posted during work hours in China and few people actually engaged with posts. You know, there's there's a YouTuber named Tim Pool, and I used to not believe him when he used to say this, that when, when war has been happening now, one part of war is psychological warfare now. It really is. If you look back on the history, one thing that I believe we've studied in the past was the power of the radio. The power of the radio in the past during World War II influenced a lot of countries on what they decided what they were going to do. Because you could you could get a lot of political message across that way too. The radio for our day is now social media in general. The way you use social media can influence people for generations on end. Even this podcast could potentially be that way too. We hope not to be that way. We just hope to keep reporting on market news as much as we can. But at the end of the day, that is another form. It's going to get interesting to see, especially now since China and Russia are getting closer. 
And they're probably going to be doing more cyber warfare attacks on the people in different countries around the world to get the agenda that they want. Facebook, Twitter, all these organizations better start amping up their cyber warfare areas of their company to be able to fight back against these events that are happening. Especially in a democracy, you want to be able to, or a republic, I guess, in a way too, you want to be able to make sure that you can have elections that aren't influenced 100% of the time. But it's going to be interesting to see how the effect of social media continues to grow and how it becomes effective if there ever is another major conflict in the future. But it's already being used in some way, shape, or form. Speaking of morality, last thing we'll talk about going back to that subject. And this is one thing that really irks me. Let's take a trip down memory lane real quick. One of the things that was hampered hard on former President Trump when he was going into office was his real estate empire. Because his real estate empire affects the entire world. And a lot of things that government officials were saying in the United States were saying that, oh, you would have conflict of interest if you became president of the United States. And so one thing President Trump did was he gave control of his business to his sons when he became president of the United States. Time reported that, I believe in 2016, the day after he got put into office or sometime before. It's been a while since I've read that article. But what I find very interesting now is what Wall Street is willing to accept currently right now. From CNBC, some members of Congress have above average investing returns. Soon, two new ETFs will let you follow along with them. If you can't beat them, join them, seems to be the unofficial mantra of two new exchange trade funds or ETFs recently filed as a way to track the trading of the U.S. congressional members of their, and their families. Suburbly Capital filled a form N-1A on September 15th to establish two new ETFs that will follow exactly how Democrat and Republican members of Congress are trading. Subversive Capital is working with Unusual Whales, a retail trading tool for individual stocks, options, and crypto to provide data for the ETF. The Democrat tracking ticker will be named NANC after Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, while the Republican tracking ticker will be called KRUZ after Senator Ted Cruz. Recently, the subject of congressional members trading stocks has raised questions regarding the potential for insider trading and conflicts of interest. Yeah, we just spoke about how Trump was supposed to have conflict of issue, conflict of interest when he was a president with his real estate. I'm glad CNBC is at least admitting it here. Leading to the introduction of legislation that would restrict those in Congress from being able to buy and sell individual stocks. Until that legislation is passed, though, you will soon be able to bury your own investment dollars into following their trades passively once the new ETF are released. Here's what you need to know about the, the political implications of the congressional stock trading and the new ETFs that are being created to track it. Rules of the Congressional Stock Trading. According to the Stock Act, which was passed in 2012, members of Congress are required by law to file any stock trades with the Securities and Exchange Commission within 45 days. Unfortunately, this provides little value to everyday Americans since the markets can change drastically from the time when a member of Congress enacts a trade to when it becomes publicly available. The fines for not abiding by the rules are also negligible compared to the major stock trading profits being made. Just $200 for first-time offenders. $200, wow, for first-time offenders? Yeah, that needs to change. Over the past 10 years, members of Congress have received major scrutiny for using their position of power for their own profit during the historic bull market. 
Jacobin, a popular left-leaning magazine, even labeled Representative Pelosi as the 2021 Wall Street Trader of the Year. As much as there are valid points being made for government officials to be involved in the markets, Andrew Lotz, Director of Federal Policy at the National Taxpayer Union, argues that there shouldn't be considered average participants for two reasons. Because they have access to privileged information and because their policy proposals and decisions have their ability to move such markets. As a result, legislation is currently in the works to ban members of Congress from trading individual stocks, a move that has gained bipartisan support. But now those in Congress can still buy and sell stocks at their pleasure, and it's possible for you to get into potential profits as well. Here's how the ETFs will work. Both ETFs in uh, the Nancy and Ted Cruz ETFs will have one simple objective, to help you follow the trades of both Democrats and Republican members of Congress and their spouses. The actively managed funds will track their trades based on public filings, which are required by the aforementioned Stock Act, because they these are actively managed exchange trade funds that require consist, uh, correction, constant buying and selling, the ETF will charge investors a 1% management fee. That's quite pricey compared to passively managed funds such as Vanguard S&P 500 ETF, VO, which charges a fee of just 0.03% to participate. Each ETF will have between 500 to 600 individual stocks at a time, with lawmakers and their family members ranking up an estimated $355 million worth of stock trades in 2021, according to the article by MarketWatch. It appears that these funds will be regular shifting their stock positions. As of this writing, a launch date for the new ETFs have yet to be determined. It is unclear what will happen with the two new ETFs if congressional stock trading ban does eventually pass. Yeah, this is probably not going to pass now. What member of Congress is going to vote and be like, oh, yeah, we uh, we, we can't. We, it's a free, I mean, Nancy Pelosi even said it too recently in an interview. She says we're in a free market economy and we should be able to trade. And then she ran away hiding behind a mic, just pushing the mic down and running away. You can look at that video. It's disgusting. Members of Congress, in my opinion, are not going to vote for this bill. They're not. And it's disgusting. And people need to hold these people accountable. But at the same time, a lot of people don't know that this is happening. That's why we have this podcast, because we can talk about these events that are potentially happening. It's going to get interesting to see is if these ETFs do form, just how much these people in Washington are going to end up making. It's disgusting. Every policy they make affects their, the market and they can decide whether or not they're going to gain a profit or not and what they do. Or they can sell stock before it even happens. I'm going to tie it back in what I was talking about with Donald Trump earlier. When Donald Trump ran for office, they were telling the American people that there'd be conflict of interest for President Trump because he would have people stay at his hotels from foreign diplomats to just people in general visiting the White House. And Donald Trump, in order to get rid of that, decided, okay, I'll have my sons run the business. I mean, he still had a stake, I think, in the company, if I'm not mistaken, because it is his company. But he wasn't involved in the day-to-day -day operations as much. Now, granted, if President Trump was a scumbag too, and he decided to warn his sons about what was happening in Washington, I'd be pretty disgusted about it too. I think anyone in general that uses their power of position to get ahead could be a disgusting individual in general. But that was one of the biggest concerns when President Trump was running for office was conflict of interest. And now no one's batting an eye of conflict of interest when Nancy Pelosi and all these other 
politicians. I'm sure there's some on the Republican side too. It's just, I remember Nancy Pelosi's a lot more because I've seen the videos with her and her husband on their investment trades. And it's been talked about a lot about how Nancy Pelosi is the number one trader right now. And it disgusts me and it should disgust you too. And these people need to be held accountable. I personally believe if you get into politics that you should not have any say of trading companies at all. I think your salary should be made due. I think if you want do want to make extra money, then you can go write a book. Because that's what a lot of people do. In fact, if you've ever looked at some of uh, these politicians' tax returns before their election season's done, because a lot of them will release their tax returns, a lot of them actually do make a lot of their money from writing books. But then again, we also don't know everything behind the scenes. I remember looking once at Bernie Sanders and uh, I think it was Joe Biden and they had written a book and they made a lot of their money based off the book that they had written on their tax returns. Yeah, I'm that guy. I looked into the tax returns because I had a suspicion about how they were making their money because things just were not adding up. Still have a suspicion, still need to look at other returns in the future to be get, to get a better conclusion, but it is something that is needs to be talked about more. And of course, Wall Street isn't talking about this, but Nancy Pelosi and all these politicians will keep making loads of money. If you don't have a soul, I would, I guess you would get into these ETFs. I mean, there's a whole trading group that does it based off what the politicians do. So that, that's for you to make a decision. This isn't financial advice. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. I ask that you please like and subscribe and share this vi- uh, podcast with as many people as possible as I think the word of what's happening with this ETF needs to be spread. And I think that people need to know that these ETFs will exist and people need to be reminded that politicians, they're making a lot of money based off their trades that they do. And the laws that they pass will determine what happens to certain companies' stocks. And these people need to be held accountable in some way, shape, or form. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.